What's up, guys? Welcome to week three of our Killing Goliath series. We're so glad you guys are here and that you've joined us. Um, For those of you who are a little bit newer or just now kind of hopping back here with us, remember, Goliath, the series is called Killing Goliath, and just trivia alert here, Goliath is the the nine-foot giant that David kills with the sling and the stone uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we learned about that a couple of weeks ago, and now Goliath was a real person. He wasn't just symbolic, okay? He didn't just symbolize something. But he is a real person, but he does also represent sin and death, two things that we are powerless to defeat in our own strength, okay? That's what Goliath represents. And David, and just just like the Israelites are too weak to defeat Goliath, we are too weak to defeat sin and death on our own. It's just not going to happen. Ten out of ten people, they all die. And so David, so there's Goliath. And so David comes forward as the weak king. David is too weak. He can't even lift up Saul's armor. He's no match for Goliath. He comes forward as a weak king to represent his people. He is their representative against Goliath. And he is pointing to the ultimate representative of this, the ultimate David, his descendant, King Jesus. Jesus was also a weak king. Jesus made himself weak unto death. He let himself be killed so that Goliath could be destroyed. He destroyed sin and death on the cross. He made himself weak to defeat the ultimate Goliath. Um, Louis Giglio, who is the, it's a funny last name, but he is the, he's the lead pastor at Passion City Church. He's the head of the, the Passion Movement, which our college students and um, seniors in high school, whoop whoop, get to go to. Um, and he's got a new book coming out called Goliath Must Fall. And in this book, he says this, listen to this quote. Louis says, we all have a giant. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. We are not David. The story of David is not a story about us. It is ultimately a story about Jesus, the one who has slayed not just one giant, but every giant for all time. And so now that now, and when we realize this, that, that's what becoming a Christian is. When you realize that Christ has defeated the ultimate Goliath, and we look to him, that's where we get the strength and the courage and the joy the happiness to fight our own Goliaths in our lives and even defeat them. And so last week we started into our first Goliath, which is the, the giant of the world, of worldliness. The world, we're, all, we're surrounded by the world and our own dark hearts and how Jesus defeats both of those, how he frees us from that Goliath. And then so um, each week we're going to take, each week of this series, we're going to take a different Goliath in your life that you've told us about, and we're going to talk about how Jesus can come in and defeat that Goliath, okay? Does that make sense? Um, Tonight we're tackling the Goliath of anger, okay? Um, Two weeks ago, after our first sermon in this series, we handed out pieces of paper, and we let you guys write down the Goliaths in your life. What are some Goliaths that are haunting you in your life, that have enslaved you in your life? And guys, anger was one of our top three answers, okay? Anger was one of our top three. Anger at parents, anger at friends, anger in general. You just have a quick trigger in general. It doesn't take much to set you off. You walk around and you're angry all the time. It's just kind of simmering under the surface there. So how do we get rid of this, right? 
How do you get rid of anger? Because the thing is, anger that we don't let go of can have devastating effects. Anger that we don't let go of can have devastating effects. Um, I heard, I was listening to a guy as I was getting ready for this, and he said, you may have heard this before, he said, anger, if you're angry at someone and you don't let go of that anger, you hang on to that anger you have for someone else, it's like drinking poison and hoping that it hurts the other person. You, hear, you know what I'm talking about? It only hurts you. Holding on to that anger that you have for that other person instead of dealing with it, it only poisons you, and it doesn't affect the other person. It, anger that, that we leave unchecked, it wraps, it warps friendships, it warps family relationships. Um, and if we let it sit long enough, that poison gets into our bloodstream, and it affects everything. You walk around angry. You walk around with a quick trigger, easily set off. It doesn't take much, right? And, and it gets to where it doesn't really take a whole lot to send you over the edge, no matter what it is. So that's anger, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So this is a very powerful Goliath in our culture. Anger, sometimes when we get angry, it doesn't just happen and leave. It soaks into you all day. You know what I mean? And then you're angry all day and you come home and you just go off because you're at home. You know? How do we fix that? How do we, how do we help that? Well, here, here's how we start, okay? Um, it starts with making sure you get the right cure, okay? And just FYI, this is going to be one of those sermons tonight where I'm hopping around the Bible a lot. We're not going to sit in one passage, so you may want to just kind of take notes on your phone or if you've got your Bible, just take notes in that title page and just write down the verses, but whatever whatever you want. You, you do you tonight, okay? So how do we help anger? Well, it starts with getting the right cure, and this is what I mean by getting the right cure. We've got to get the right medicine, because here's what happens, guys. The answer to anger is not never be angry. That's not the answer to anger. The answer to anger is not don't be angry, because um, here's the thing. You, you can't just, the answer to anger is not just kumbaya your way through life. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Um, if you're not angry about anything, it's because you don't care about anything. Okay? Does that make sense? If you're not angry about anything, it's because you don't care about anything. If you love something, like if there's whatever it is, or if there's something that you love and that thing that you love is damaged or hurt, it's natural to get angry about that. You're supposed to get angry about that because that's what you care about. You care about that thing. It's natural. It's natural to get angry about it. Sorry, it's super emotional. Um, people, and here's the thing, people who are never angry at, at anything ever, they just never get angry no matter what. People that never get angry at anything have not reached some kind of enlightenment that you're just not there yet. People that never get angry at anything are people that have stopped caring about anything. Okay, And here's, here's what's really happened. Okay, Follow this. They used to get angry at everything, and now they're so angry at always being angry that they've decided to just stop caring about things. So you see, there's still con- all that comes from anger still. They're still controlled by anger. People that don't get angry at anything are still controlled by anger because they're doing everything they can to avoid anger. Anger is still running their lives. See, this Goliath is much bigger than we thought it was. So you're saying, okay, so you're saying the answer is not never be angry, so is the answer to always be angry? Like, I care about things, so do I need to be angry all the time? The answer is, is not angry always or angry never. 
It's not about levels of anger. That's not the answer. The answer is in good anger and bad anger. There's the answer. There's good anger and bad anger. And you say good anger. Yes. Because not all anger is bad. Okay? It's not a bad thing to get angry. It's where that anger comes from and what it is. God gets angry over 300 times in the Old Testament. God, perfect God, gets angry over 300 times in the Old Testament. And we are made, help me out, and we are made in His, yeah, we're made in His image. Which means, what does that mean? It means we are made to reflect and imitate our Creator. We are made to act like God. Which means that we are going, if we're doing it right, we are going to get angry. Exactly the way he gets angry. Okay? 1 John 4 8, you know this one too. It's a little interactive tonight. Um, you know this too. 1 John 4 8 says, God is. Ooh, man, maybe not. Yeah, just do loud and proud. God is. There we go. Yeah. 1 John 4 8 says, God is love. But here's the thing if God is love and God gets angry, then that means that anger has to be a part of love sometimes. His anger is part of how he cares. Jesus got angry. Uh, you don't have to turn there. Mark chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Mark 3, 5 says, And Jesus looked at the crowd with anger, saddened at their hardness of heart. So, so here's the thing. Anger, let me back up here. Jesus cares about that situation. He cares that these people's hearts are so hardened. And that makes him angry. He wants them to see it. He wants their hearts to break in, in a good way for him. And he's angry that that's not happening. He's angry because he cares. You see, that's the thing that you've got to understand. Anger and care go together. That's kind of the first big point here tonight. Anger and care go together. Anger is actually, when you use it the right way, anger is a tool from God. Because it shows us what we care about. Whatever you're angry now, here's, here's kind of where the bubble gets to be busted a little bit. Whatever you're angry about, that's what you care about. Does that make sense? Whatever you're angry about, that's what you care about. So begin to ask yourself, what are some things that you get angry about? And another way to ask that is, it's the exact same question, what are some things that you care about? Do you get angry at the fact do you get angry at your parents because you just wish they were different? I just wish they were different. I wish they weren't so whatever. Let me rephrase that. What do you really care about there? When you say that about your parents, what are you, what are you really caring about there? Are you angry because you can't do what you want to do when you want to do it? Well, let me ask you it a different way. What do you really care about when you want to do what you want to do? What are you really caring about there? Are you, are you angry when someone at school is getting picked on or harassed? Are you angry about that? I think we'd be shocked at, if we looked and realized how many of us don't get angry at that. Because, because instead of being angry at the injustice that's going on, we get one of two things. One, I'm glad it's not me that's getting picked on. Or two, I'm not going to say anything because that, that's going to make me look weird. Okay? And so you find out that you're really not angry about someone getting picked on. Do you know why? Because you don't really care about it. You see, and that's where the fixing begins. When you realize that anger points to what you care about, that's how you can begin to start fixing the problem. When you're angry, and so try this. 
this week if, if it happens. Try this. When you get angry, stop in the middle of that anger. Stop and ask yourself, okay, why am I angry here? What is the, what is the root thing that I really care about here that's in trouble? Why am I angry here? For example, you come home, um, and this happens to me. Um, you come home, and, and your mom comes home from work. Shout out to Celia. Okay? You come home, and your mom comes home from work, and she is mad about something that's been happening to her at work, right? This never happens to anyone else's family, right? Uh, your mom comes home, and she's mad about what's happened to her at work, and you find that you're starting to get mad. Now, stop and ask yourself, why are you getting mad? Are you mad, and you don't have to be your mom, be anybody else, are you getting mad because of the injustice that's being done to your mom at work? Something has happened to your mom at work, and that makes you angry? Or, stop and ask, are you mad because by her coming home and talking about her bad day, it's bringing you down, and it's distracting you and inconveniencing you from your day, and that you find yourself starting to get a little upset at that. So, you see... Which one is it? Which one do you really care about? Do you care about something that's happened to someone in your family? Or do you care about the fact that they're inconveniencing your day? And if your answer is the second one, then you've kind of missed it. But now we can start to fix that. So here's the thing. All right, so anger shows us what we care about. Well, how do you know if it's good anger or bad anger? Remember, that's the key. Good anger and bad anger. Now, here's, here's kind of the, the rule of thumb. How do you know if it's Goliath or God? If it's good or bad. Anger that you are not willing to bring to God is not righteous anger. Put another way, anger that you are not willing to bring to God is bad anger. Okay, That's the difference between good and bad anger. Anger that you are not willing to bring to God is bad anger. James 1.9, you know this one too, so help me out. James 1.19, sorry, James 1.19 says, be quick, to, be quick to listen and slow to, and slow to speak. But the next part of that verse says, and slow to anger. We are called as Christians to be slow to anger. But why? Why are we called to be slow to anger? Because God is slow to anger. You were not, listen to me, you were not designed to be quick to anger. It's, it's actually bad for your soul. You were designed to, to reflect God. You were designed in His image. And since He is slow to anger, we are to be slow to anger. Not because that's the rule. It's good for your soul to be slow to anger. You will get more out of your own life if you find yourself being slow to anger. Because God Himself is slow to anger. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. Exodus 34, 6. The Lord passed before Moses and said, I am the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So, so God is slow to anger, and so we are to be slow to anger. Well, what does that mean, though? What does it mean to be slow to anger? Okay, here's, here's it, here it is. We look to God for the answer. God is slow to anger. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that He never gets angry. That's not what that means. Remember, if you don't get angry about something, it means you don't care about it. And God cares more deeply than any of us do, so in theory, He would get more angry than any of us would. It's not that He doesn't ever get angry. Being slow to anger means that God controls His anger. 
He does not let his anger control him. What, what does that mean, though? How do you control your anger? For example, here, here we go. Some of you might come up to me and you might be like, Ryan, I got a good one for you, man. Um, you might call me man, I don't know. La- yesterday, my mom made me so mad. I was so mad. But you know what? I didn't say a word to her that whole day. I controlled my anger. No, you didn't. Why, well, how do you know that I didn't? Well, because, I hope I don't hit too close to home, because you probably, if you, by not saying anything, you mean you sat there in the corner or wherever it is you go on your chair. You sat there bitter, brooding, kind of sad-faced, and mumbling when you're, not that any of you would ever mumble, right, when you're spoken to. You see, but, but I didn't speak to her. I didn't speak to her. You see, your anger still has total control over you in that situation. Your anger had so much control over you that you couldn't speak. And then flip it around where all you can do is yell and make fun of people and be angry and sarcastic. Now you're so angry that you can't stop talking. Your anger still has total control over you, whether you're going off on your parents or your friends, or whether you just won't speak to your parents or your friends. Your anger is in total control. Look at me. This is what we talked about. You think you're in control of the situation. You are not. You are a slave to your anger. Either way, you're a slave. You think you're in control, but you're not. Your anger has consumed you. Here it is. When you act, how can you tell? Here it is. When you act negatively in anger, negative means bad, just FYI. When you act negatively in anger, whatever that action is, your anger is controlling you. When you act negatively in anger, your anger is controlling you, even if you don't hurt anyone else. Well, but I was quiet, Ryan. Well, we just talked about that one. Or, Ryan, I, just, I didn't say anything to anybody. I just went into my room and just went absolutely crazy. Or for some of my sophomores and up, I just, you just take all your anger out on the steering wheel. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Um, you didn't hurt anyone, but your anger is still controlling you. It's consumed you. Does that make sense? you understand what I'm saying? It's caused you to act negatively. Whatever that action is, whether it's being quiet, whether it's yelling, whether it's banging on the steering wheel, going crazy in your room, not talking to anybody, I just need to leave the situation, your anger is the one doing that. Don't think it's just you leaving the situation. Your anger is pushing you away from those people. You are completely controlled by your anger. And you say, well, I can't control it. What do you want me to do, Ryan? I can't, I can't control it. I can't stop it. Exactly. That's exactly what the Israelites would have said about Goliath a thousand years ago. Is it not? That's exactly what the Israelites would have said about Goliath 3,000 years ago. Goliath is not dead in that way. Goliath is very much, the Goliath of anger is very much alive in your life. So what do we do with it? We've got this Goliath. What do we do with it? If we can't control it, we have to bring it to someone who can. Okay? We have to bring it to someone who can. Bad anger is anger that you are not willing to take to God because you can't control it. So let God take control of your anger. This is how we do that. Um, Ephesians 4.26 is a popular verse. and it, so Most of the time we get it, but, but this is what it really means. Ephesians 4.26 says this, And do not sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
Don't let the sun go down on your anger. We hear this all the time. Put it on the, put it on the t-shirts. What, what does that mean? What does it mean? It means if you get angry that day, don't take that anger with you as you go to bed that night. When you're, if you're angry that day, don't take that anger with you to bed. Because here's the deal, and you say, well, you know, what if, okay, so I'm supposed to resolve it before bed. Okay, I get it. But what if I'm mad at someone and I'm, I can't get to the person that I need to talk to to resolve it before I go to bed? I'm letting the sun go down on my anger. The point is not resolve it before you go to bed. The point is not resolve it before you go to bed. The point is take it to God before you go to bed. The point is not to resolve with the other person. That's not what Paul's talking about. Take it to God before you go to bed. Take it to God before you resolve it with the other person even. The point is not make sure you resolve it. The point is make sure you take it to God before. All right, here it is. Take it to God before the lights go out. Because here's why, okay? Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Take it to God before the lights go out. Here's why. Because bacteria grows in dark places. Infections, bacteria, it grows in dark places. The same thing is true for your heart. The exact same thing is true for your heart. As bacteria grows in dark places, so if you leave that anger in there, it's going to get infected and it's going to grow. It'll eat, and you think, well, this doesn't have anything to do with me. It, yes, it, it will eat your whole day up. Have you ever been angry all day? This is why. This is why that is. Because instead of bringing that anger into the light, you let it sit in the dark places of your heart, and it just goes off. And some of you are with me, and some of you are kind of halfway in, halfway out. You'll see in a week, when you've been angry all day, this is what has happened. You've let it sit, and you haven't brought it into the light, and it has festered and grown and infected your heart. It will consume you. Don't let it. Don't let it just sit there over time, okay? Bubble number two that's going to be busted. Um, time does not heal all wounds, okay? Time does not Heal all wounds. If you're sitting, and just go here, if you're sitting on the stove, and I turn the stove on, and it starts burning your legs and your tail, and I look at you, and I'm like, whoa, 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 just uh, time heals all wounds, right? Get off the stove. Get off the stove and jump in the pool, right? It's not, thank you, Katie Leonard, it's not, it's not time that heals, okay? Just kind of take that off your Instagram, please. It's not time that heals all wounds. It's what you do in that time that can heal. Okay? It's not time that heals all wounds. It's what you do in that time. You're angry. You're angry for a period of time. Look at me. What are you going to do during that time that you're angry? What are you going to do about that anger? Are you going to take it to God? Are you going to take it into the light? Or are you going to gossip about it instead? Because here's the thing, guys. Gossip is dark. And what happened? Tell me. What happens to bacteria in the dark? It grows. This is what happens. Can you believe? It's so much easier to go into your coworker's office and say, can you believe what so-and-so did? It's so easy to turn to your friend at the lunchroom and say, can you believe what she did? Or here's what he did. I am so mad about that. 
And you bring, and it's not wrong to tell other people, but it is wrong to not tell God first. You have not brought it into the light. You are keeping it in the dark where other people will get infected by this. Your anger is consuming you and it is growing. Rather than gossip about it, bring it into the light. Take it to God first. Gossiping or letting it sit over time will just lead to more darkness. It'll consume you. A guy named Marshall Siegel, uh, he works with John Piper. He, he wrote an article on anger and he says this. He says, when it comes to anger, time helps. It does. Take a walk. Count to ten. But in the end, just doing that is like putting a temporary tire on your car when you've got a flat. It'll get you across the road, but it will not solve the biggest problem. Does that make sense? It's okay to do that, but it will not solve the biggest problem. Um, I have, I'm in a class in seminary right now that is ridiculously difficult. Um, it's one of these where you have, we meet once a month, and you have to do a ton of reading during that month, like a very unhealthy amount of reading during that month. And then at the time in the class period that you meet, you get a quiz. And the quiz can be on anything that you've read, okay? It's one of these. And so I studied my tail off for this quiz, like read and studied and all these other things and annoyed uh, my fiance about it a lot, like bugged her about it some. And like I studied so hard for this thing. And I took the quiz and I turned it in, and you, you know how you did. And I turned it in, and I, and I knew. I did not get an A on it, but I felt like, I felt like mid-B, high 70s at the worst, okay? So you get your grade. This is like the, the part about it that, that really is bothersome. You get the grade back online. You can't see what you got wrong. And I got the grade back, and I did not get high 70s at worst. I did very poorly on it. And man, when I got that thing back, I was through the roof. I was so mad about, like, I was, and I called, like, I called my fiance, Kristen, and I, I was like, I, there's no way. Like, there's no way I did this bad. I studied so hard for this thing for so long, like, there is no way. I was furious at how poorly I had done on this thing, because there's just no way. And so, but here's the thing, and you're like, okay, I'm not in seminary. What does this have to do with me? Here, watch. I, got, I was so angry at this that I didn't want to talk to anyone. That's never happened to anyone in here, right? I didn't want to talk to anyone. I couldn't focus here. And this is how I knew. I could not focus on the things that I had to do. I was so angry about it. It had like gotten in my head so bad that I couldn't focus on the things that I needed to do. Have you ever, have you ever been there? Do you know what I'm talking about with that? And that and thank and this was this was Monday. This was like three days ago. And I'm like, thank the Lord that I'm preaching on this because this is going through my head. And I realized, and I just had to stop. And I was like, it it's got me. My anger has consumed me at this point. It has taken. I don't want to talk to these people. I don't want to do the things that are in front of me. It's taken up every part of my life. My anger has gotten the best of me. It has consumed me. Goliath is winning. So. I was able to, and I realized this, and I was able to kind of find a quiet place, like, in my room, away from everybody, and I took, like, three or four minutes, and I just kind of began to pray, and I was like, Lord, I am so angry about this. I am so mad about this, but you are in control. You're in control of this. If it, you know, and I've, and I've spoke, I've, I've shot an email over to my professor, and if, if there was a mistake in the grading, I'll find out about it. He'll see it, and we'll be able to talk about it. 
if, as it turns out, if it turns out that I did do this poorly on the quiz, my professor and I can talk about it, and I'll be able to get, I don't really talk to him that much, I'll be able to get to know him a little bit better, and I'll learn something that will help me on the next quiz, and I'll be able to learn this better. You will, you will get me through this, regardless of which way it turns out, you will get me through this. You brought me here. You brought me out of what I was doing into the pastor, into seminary. You brought me here. You will get me through this. And it was like four minutes of just, just, just talking to him and just giving that over to him. You, will, you are in control. This is not fun. You will get me through this. And I, and I know it's a minor example, but it's really not. Is that not, no matter what the problem is in our lives, is that not what it really boils down to? This is not fun. You are in control. You will get me through this. And at the end of the prayer, I, was, you know, I wasn't, let's go to the mall. Like, I wasn't like super high-fiving people, you know. But it really did help. And over the next few hours, just, and just try this. Just try this, guys. Over the next few hours, it really did get better. It really did help. Um, as Christians, our job is to show the world that God is slow to anger. That's your job at school. That's your job in the classroom. That's your job at work, my adults. That's my job here. Our job is to show the world that God is slow to anger. That he, remember what does that mean? That he controls his anger. It doesn't, he doesn't let his anger get the best of him. And we show the world that by being slow to anger ourselves. By not letting our anger get the best of us. So, okay, so there's kind of the top level of it, right? There's the advice. There's all this. Now, now, as we close up here, let's get into our hearts a little bit. How do we become like that, though? Like, it sounds awesome, or it sounds really lame, whatever you want to do with it. But, like, there it is. So how do we do that? How do our hearts change to become like this? Two things. Um, Two things. How do we become slow of anger? The first thing is this. Remember, guys, and you got to remember this. This takes time. It takes time. Too often, I think, pastors, and, and myself, I'm up here too, we kind of, it's time to change, and blah, 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 and we don't take time to remember that this stuff takes time. But remember, not just time. Time doesn't do anything. It's what you do in that time that matters. This takes time. This takes time with God. It's not just time. This takes time with God. Take time with God. I'm reading a lot of different um, marriage books kind of off and on right now. because Got engaged, so March 31st, 2018. Um, coming for you, boo. So we're really excited. Yeah, we're really excited about that. But so yeah, I'm getting married, and so I'm trying to do, not that there's a good way to study for marriage, as my adults have, have reminded me multiple times, um, but that, you know, so I'm but I am. I'm doing the best I can trying to learn what I need to learn. And this is what every book comes back to. And it kind of freaks you out a little bit when you first hear it. But again, your adult leaders can vouch for this far more than, than I can. Please do not ask me about this. But this is what it says. It says, the longer you're married, the more you will begin to catch the personality of your spouse. You will begin to act more and more like your spouse. And they will begin to act more and more like you. Now, why is that? It's not because you got married and that's the magic check that makes it happen. It's because you spend, hang with me here, it's because you spend so much time around your spouse that your personalities just begin to 
meld together. Does that make sense? You spend so much time, hey, for some people it works better than others, I'll just say that. So, so yeah, so that's how it goes, right? You begin to meld together. Guys, there's a reason. That's what happens in a marriage. There's a reason that God calls himself our husband and Christ calls himself our groom. Because it is the same thing. It is a relationship. And the longer you spend with him, the more time you spend with him, the more you will begin to act like him. That's the key. That's where it all lies. The more time you spend together with God, the more time you'll begin to look like him. The more time you the more you'll begin to realize that you're growing quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger and quick to forgive. You're beginning to act more like God. You're catching his personality the more time you spend with him. You'll take steps to solve your anger instead of letting it fester and consume you and infect you. Spending time with God is what separates... And here's the thing. Spending time with God is what separates us as Christians from the world. Go out and do better. Be less angry. Anybody can say that. The world is all about willpower. I will be less angry. I will be less lustful. But for the Christian, it, it, your growth takes place like this. Uh, I'm listening to a guy named Tim Keller right now, and he talks about this, about how he has these trees at his house in Virginia. And they're, very, they're strange trees in that when the fall comes... The leaves will die, but they don't fall off. They stay on the tree. And they don't fall off until spring, when the new leaves begin to bud and push the old leaves out. For a Christian, spending time with God really is like a tree spending time in the sunlight. It changes you, and eventually the old you will begin to fall off as the new you gets created. Um... So that's number one. Understand that this takes time. And then number two, and, and we'll be done. Number two, remember that God didn't... How do, how do you make sure you don't let your anger consume you? Remember that God did not let his anger consume him when he was mad at you. God did not let his anger consume him when he was mad at you. Um, in the book of Hosea, in the Bible, um, God tells the prophet Hosea to marry this woman uh, named Gomer. And... and what she does, what this woman does is she, Hosea marries her and then she leaves Hosea. She cheats on Hosea. She divorces Hosea for a man who's going to abuse her. Okay? She's in love with this man who abuses her. And God looks at Israel and then looks at Hosea and says, that's what you did to me. I loved you. I cared for you. I freed you from slavery, but you left me. You broke my heart and you went to someone who's going to abuse you. Because here's the thing, that's what sin is. Sin is not just something you do wrong. Sin is abuse. It is the abuse of yourself. It is the abuse of your body. It is the abuse of your soul. Sin leaves you out in the street. It hangs you out to dry. And that's what it did to Hosea's wife when she left him. But now, instead of leaving her out there, instead of staying in anger... In Hosea chapter 3, one of the most beautiful chapters of the Bible, God tells Hosea, now, go again. Go and rescue her. Bring her back. A lot of Jew, and here it is, a lot of, a lot of non-Christians don't understand the book of Hosea. Because here's why. Hosea's wife has committed adultery. And the punish, do you know what the punishment for adultery is in the Old Testament? 
death. So he's got to, he has to put her to death, but he still loves her. How can he get his bride back and put her to death at the same time? 700 years later, God lost his bride again. She left him for her lovers. She left him because she loves sin. So he went again to get her back, but this time he would make it permanent. He would send someone better than David and better than Hosea. But again, the problem was she's left him. She's committed adultery. And tell me, what's the punishment for adultery? Death. How can God get his bride back that he loves and put her to death? He sent his son to die for her. Instead of letting his anger towards you control him, he sacrificed for you, for his bride, and he forgave you and put the punishment on Jesus. The more we sit in that, the more you sit in the sunlight of that, the more you spend time there, the more you'll see just how much you've been forgiven. And we can give our anger to God and forgive others. Through Jesus' love and sacrifice, we can kill the Goliath of bad anger. Let's pray as the band comes up.